If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to the HP Podcast, episode number 248. I'm Ben, and with me here today is Dave, the glowing one. Hello, I'm Dave. Good, how are Perry. you? I got the sexy lights on tonight. For, I, I like it. You got the, the backlight yeah, going. Yeah, I got the orange light on because it's October. Yeah. You know, I'm on brand. Right, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how are the They're ghosts good. doing? They're good. I'm here with the Phantoms, so <laughs> here, here we go. It's our month. That's true. We should have made October like the 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 month where we like, hey, support us, you know, advertise more. But we didn't because <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think Brandon, um, the the most glorious ginger. Hello, how are I'm you, living, sir? Man, every day, one day at a time. Yeah. Every day every you're day, shuffling. I'm shuffling. Bee boop bop. Bee boop bop. I find myself right before the show, I always do this, and I like, I move the the mic away from my mouth and then back to the exact same position it was in, thinking that somehow it gave me some sort of right sound advantage by getting it in a better position. But it's just, in the, I mean, it's on a swivel. Like, it's, it's in the same satisfying. exact position it was I'd in. I'd say that's a good old streamer tick. Yeah, something like that. Streamer tick? Twitch has ruined you. It could be it. Right. Just something to do with my hands. Well, well, I, I don't know. I got, I got a few hands. things you could do with your hands. Please don't. don't Ben, move the mic. What the fuck? I don't want any of that. There it is. There it is. You're welcome. Uh, You guys doing all right? It's it's almost Halloween. Uh, Before we even really get started, a uh, a little notice that um, next. So this week we're recording on a on a Wednesday. Next week we're also recording on Wednesday because Tuesday is Halloween and that's trick or treat. And uh, my kids need candy. Can I, you mentioned that yesterday, and I've been wondering what what are your kids dressing as this year, and what are their best costumes of all time in Dad's opinion? Um, one year they dressed as Mario and Luigi, um, the full outfit that was pretty good. And they're like people think they're twins often, but they're actually they're like two years apart, so they look enough alike to to make like their height difference is is right for Mario and Luigi. And one year my. My one kid went as some kind of flying squirrel from some anime. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't know. Did Dustin dress them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't let Dustin dress my kids if I liked it. Um, they wouldn't get any candy. And then I can't think of, I, I know they've been other stuff, obviously. Oh, uh, one was a Ninja Turtle, I think. One was a Ninja Turtle one year, and the next year the other one was There has the to have outfit. been a Spider-Man in there. There um, just has to have been, right? Oh yeah, Murphy. Murphy, my youngest, has definitely been Spider-Man at some point. Uh, they went I'm as sure, a but... Ninja Turtle. Which Ninja Turtle specifically are we talking about here? Uh, I can't remember because they have more than one Ninja Turtle oh. outfit. So I can't remember which one they actually were. 
Okay. Fair so enough. we have like a four and a half foot. It used to be in the back of my set. But we have like a four and a half foot <laughs> yeah. tall Michelangelo. And you have like the fallout mask uh, on my, don't you? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I did have the fallout <laughs> mask on it for a long time. Yeah. But anyway, next week we'll be recording Wednesday evening, the 1st, November 1st, uh, same time as usual, 7 p.m. Eastern. And for those who don't know, if you're listening on the audio, there are many more of you on audio than there are checking us out on the video. We appreciate that. Um, and you're welcome to stay on the audio, of course. But if you want to check the the YouTube, if you want to see our beautiful boys' faces, you could do that over uh, at the YouTube channel, Ben is Handsome YT. Uh, we record live normally on Tuesdays at 7. But of course, you can always check out the VOD later if you wanted to switch from the audio to the video. And um, we're okay with it either way. Also, in case you were just thinking, man, I, I love these guys. I'm uh, I'm here to support them. You can do that over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Uh, you can go there and support us for as little as a dollar a month. If you're an audio listener, you add free early access to the show. If you're a video listener, sorry, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I have to say to you. Uh, you don't get anything special except the, to know it deep in your, in your gut that you've helped support a, a worthy cause. And if you want to support us, or if you don't, either way, you can come over and hang out with us on Discord at handsomephantom.com slash Discord. We appreciate you, those of you who are there, hanging out in the chat, talking, talking smack on each other, talking smack on us, being talked smack to by us, you know. Lots of smacking. What goes around comes around. There's lots of smacking. You can never really... Yeah, I think I can say with pretty much a surety <laughs> that you can never have enough smack talk. If once you smack, you shan't go back. That's the truth. I've heard that. A wise yeah, man said that once. on my lower back. Stop. Exactly you say, don't where? be saying like, this thing. Now that we're on video, the people are going to start making yeah, demands sure. of you, Dave. You gotta, you gotta be very careful on what you're saying. I mean, we already have a, re- a feet request in the chat. Um, within the first, yeah, that's not good. Eight minutes of our show, um, it's gonna be a record. So, <laughs> potentially the most depraved member of the audience oh, too. Oh, absolutely, feet, absolutely, honestly. and. Yeah. Well, shout out everybody who's in chat so far. Appreciate you guys being here. Uh, we normally talk about video games. I mean, pretty much every show we mention a video game. Yeah. Or a couple. So let's do that now. <laughs> let's talk about number one on our news list. I've got some kind of weird cough right now going on, so hopefully it doesn't distract too much. But number one, Marvel Spider-Man 2 has achieved an astounding feat. Oh, no. Astounding feet. I said it. I said feet. Damn, astounding dude. feet. I wrote. I wrote it and said it and didn't realize you did that, that on it purpose, sounded. Man. I mean, it sounds just like feet. I I got to derail number one here for a second. We got a couple more comments in here. Uh, first of all, uh, we got um, a request for a new ten dollar Patreon tier to get exclusive pics of the host feet. I that's don't worth know. it. I, I'll ten dollars if you add the tier, I will volunteer if, this tribute. Okay. Okay, so those we're gonna have like the weirdest <laughs> mix just, just like, of Patreon here. Um, is this is this ban- a bannable you, offense on Patreon, I dude? This is just pornography. No, now. you can you dude. can post really lewd stuff. Like, yeah. I think nudity okay, on okay. Patreon. We've only scratched the surface. I think you have to mark your profile as not safe for work. But feet, I don't. I don't think they're safe for work. <laughs> of, of course you, you wouldn't. Do you. Ben, of course. Uh, 
Dustin's in chat and he says, does Dave need sunglasses to look at his TV? <laughs> He's got a supernova. <laughs> that backlight is brighter than a nuke going off behind the stand. It, From my understanding, Dave, you don't use that TV, yet, is that no. correct? Uh, but it, it, does, it does not look that bright. Uh, I don't know what's going on with the camera, but uh, it's, it's, it really isn't that bright. Yeah, your exposure is like yeah, super yeah, high. Just ignore it, for just sure. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, salute. Hriz says, um, the salute to the Iron Lords. Uh, you're the you're the wrong show, buddy. Um, salute to them, sure, but this isn't them. Sorry. Okay, back, <laughs> back to, to Spider Man to the amazing feet. <laughs> now that we've gotten this debauchery out of our system, and I think Dave is saying we will have. You're saying, Dave, if we have a new ten dollar Patreons here, you will get pictures of yeah. Dave's feet. Yeah. Oh, the Iron Lords raided. Holy shit! I didn't get that notification. Salute to the Iron Lords. Chat then. had a pop up. <laughs> Salute to them. Chat had a pop up saying Iron Lords joined the joined the chat. Well, hello there, Iron Lords podcast. Thank you, Dustin, for letting me know. I appreciate it. We'll just take a little bit of a time out. Sorry, audio listeners, later on. Um, but thank you all for bringing in the Iron Lords. Like I said, they're great. Uh, I was really confused why people were shouting out ILP because I was like, they're great, but why are you talking? Like, come on. But we love the Iron Lords. Welcome. Thank you very hello. much. Um, we appreciate all you guys. Uh, that's why they made that comment. I I get it now. I get it now. Thank you very much. Uh, Addict and Dirt sent me. Well, hello, Addict and Dirt. What's up, Addict? I don't know if you're here hanging out. We appreciate it. We were just talking about how Dave <laughs> what is going an awful, What an awful introduction. All these people are raiding. Like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> but hey, if you like, the, if, if you long, like feet and you got 10 bucks, then boy, do we have an offer for you. <laughs> There's been a long-standing joke on the show. It's not really a joke. I legitimately don't like feet. And the guys like to rub it in my face, literally try to rub their feet in my face. And um, the whole point is that I don't want the feet. And Dave has now offered, because the people have demanded it, that we're going to make a new Patreon tier at $10, and he will give pictures of feet. Are we talking once a month, Dave? Once a week, uh, I, I I'll do daily if we Holy get enough. Shit. If we get enough subs, then uh, you know we'll we'll daily. get diff- you know, and I'll I'll have different like backgrounds. Um, you know, I'll have like like a shabby chic sort of shoot for the feet, and then I'll do one where they're in like mud, we'll, and then uh, yeah, will Tim the cat be? <laughs> we can do that theme. Yeah, we can. For, I'll do anything for oh, money. You know, oh times are tough. <laughs> so just think about that deal ten dollars a month at patreon.com slash handsome phantom gets you potentially 31 <laughs> oh pictures of Dave what feet. the fuck are we saying it's different theme what is happening and if you are they gonna are they is it just one foot or both feet i just want to get yeah you got to keep it focused just one foot. okay you don't want to all right so i was gonna say you get two for the price of one but really no it's just you get oh, one for the price of one bizarre. Uh, yes, Dustin, we saw your message that said $15 for the cock. I think that's probably yeah, that's too okay. low. That's exceptionally too low. low. That's a pretty low bar. Only five extra dollars for... Uh, anyway. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hey, uh, go check out the Iron Lords podcast if you are uh, listening to this. I'm not sure what show was live tonight. Uh, one of the Attic shows, I believe. Um, but we appreciate you guys. Thanks for coming over. If you guys are new here... Um, this is the HP podcast. Uh, we talk about video games and uh, occasionally feats, feet, feats, feet. And uh, appreciate it. Thank you very much, Addict and Company, for coming on over. Uh, you, they are usually live on Sundays at 1 p.m. and uh, 1 p.m. Eastern. We appreciate it. Dustin said, depends on whose cock it is, whether he'll be willing to pay $15 for it. Uh, I think you just get what you get. So 
yeah i think that's it like and subscribe hey we appreciate that thank you very much guys do you think we should keep chatting or should we get back to spider-man i think it's spider-man time now that i know what the hell is going on with people people being here like it so so just for everyone who knows i just look at the interface through Streamyard, and Streamyard did not notify me anybody rated and then <laughs> here we are so i'm gonna send that i'm actually gonna send that to Streamyard and say now that youtube has a raid functionality build it into your feed so i can see it for sure number one Marvel Spider-Man 2 has achieved an astounding feat, God, by selling 2.5 million copies with just 24 hours of its release, making it the fastest-selling PlayStation game to date. Sony confirmed this milestone on social media. Previously, God of War Ragnarok held the title of the fastest-selling PlayStation Studios game. The incredible success of the sequel has led to discussions about a potential third installment in the series. Technically, it would be the fourth, but I didn't write that, so I was wrong. Brian Anathar, the creative director of the game, expressed the idea that a future Spider-Man 3 game could be even more epic. While that's not a confirmation, it offers insight into the team's ambitions for the franchise. Dave and and Brandon, neither one of you have uh, decided to play Spider-Man 2 yet because you are heathens and bad people. But what do you think about Spider-Man 2 uh, breaking the record, at least for Sony, uh, for the fastest amounts? Dave, let's start with you. um, It's it's really crazy what Sony's able to pull off with their first party lineup. And uh, you said it in the story there, the last game to, or the game for which it took the title from was God of War Ragnarok, which was just last year. So I feel like every time Sony comes out with a banger like this, a first party, big, big triple a game, um, couple hundred thousand people go out and get a new PlayStation five. So then the next title takes the, takes the, you know, this record and then, whatever is going to come next year might be the fastest selling, but yeah, I mean, you, you really can't go wrong owning a Sony PlayStation right now. And, um, it's, it's pretty crazy. Two and a half million copies within a day. That's insane. And, uh, you know, it's really no surprise that something like Spider-Man is doing it. Um, I do think these sequels are, are such low risk, high reward gambles. And that's why, you know, some of these, um, IPs just go on for so long and uh, it sounds like Spider-Man 3 it's really a no-brainer it's going to happen the question is though is we got Miles Morales after Spider-Man so we'll call that Spider-Man 1.5 for argument's sake is there going to be like a Spider-Man 2.5 is there going to be a lot of DLC like we got with Spider-Man 1 City Never Sleeps because I, I suspect there is you know quite a demand for something like that and Miles Morales even though it was somewhat criticized for being you know is it a sequel? Is it DLC? Sony never really confirmed or gave it a position. Um, but in any case, it sold really well. So I wonder if there's going to be something in between that is as substantial as um, as Miles Morales was. If this rumored uh, you know, PS5 mid-gen upgrade actually comes, a Spider-Man 2.5 might be a good little selling point because we suspect we're at least three years away from Spider-Man 3 actually coming out. But this is impressive. Again, uh, if you if you spent $500 on a PlayStation 5, you're getting your money's worth because these AAA titles are fantastic. So, yeah. Brandon, uh, Dave talked about the DLC, talked about potential spinoff. Uh, we also heard that they basically said people want a Venom game. And yeah. I think a standalone Venom game is what people are wanting. And they kind of said, like, we'll let the, the market decide. I don't know. Do you think Venom is good enough to just stay in the Spider-Man series? Or do you think there's enough demand there 
I guess we can't <laughs> right. really know how much demand there is. But is there enough demand there to, to do another spinoff entirely and make a yeah, standalone game? I mean, Dave said it perfectly, 2.5 million. You really can't argue with that. Um, and from an IP like Spider-Man, this sort of thing doesn't necessarily surprise me, but the achievement that it is is surprising no matter what the IP um, I I honestly, I saw that rumor about the Venom as well, and I wouldn't be surprised, just like Miles Morales. I would love to see a nice budget, let's say, title, because Miles, that that's really what it was. I agree, Dave, that they were a little bit muddy about it being DLC, about it being its own game, but can you argue with the price tag? It was $40 at launch, was it not? I think it was 50 for PS5 and 40 Either for way, PS4. Um, yeah, I would love to have a little a little bit of a budget, let's say, title come out. Maybe a little bit of a tighter experience. I actually ended up liking Miles Morales more than the first one. I think I, I might be in the minority here, but I ended up liking it because of how concise it was. And if we can get more stories in this universe in a more concise way, um, I feel like that's great. It's a win-win for everybody, and everybody makes money, and everyone's happy. Miles was fantastic. I would love to see another .5, let's say, and and if that's Venom, I'm all for it. And I think the interest is there. I mean, even based off of the 2.5, like I don't want to say the entirety of this game was being held up by Venom, but I'm sure that was a big selling point to a lot of people, you know? So, sure. yeah, Spider-Man has a really awesome lore, and I, I think there is a lot they can do with it. And clearly, 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 there's a ton of interest. Um, so they're just going to keep going, man. Yeah. And they're doing it right. I know I'm a, you said I was a heathen for not getting it, and I'm he, a heathen for another reason. Um, but uh, I will be getting it at some point. So, yeah, right. Now, exactly. Many other reasons, exactly. really. Yeah. Dustin Furman says, uh, who lives a, less than a mile from me as the crow flies, that's an old man saying, sorry, uh, says, LOL, hearing that train on the stream and in the same time in real life was a trip. Uh, yes, for anyone who was curious, that is a feature of this podcast it is not a detriment it is a feature i could hear it right now the i could hear you can hear it right now as well yeah (laughs) yeah yeah you uh, that's true you guys you guys (laughs) both live about the same distance from me just in different directions but uh i don't think dave can hear it no it's not that loud it's funny because that train does not have a set schedule like we tried to figure it out the first month we lived here and it's like you think you get it nailed down and then there's just a random one. So I can't even schedule anything in my life around it, but that's okay. Uh, 2.5 million. It's a lot. It's certainly record breaking for Sony first party. Um, it's not as many as some other games out there have, have had. And certainly, uh, you know, there are things like call of duty are always going to beat it, that kind of thing. But 2.5 is a lot for sure, out of 30-ish million consoles, 30-plus million consoles. But doesn't it seem like with the way that the digital world and pre-orders are going that it would have been more? I I know that's still a huge accomplishment, but but like 2.5 million, I'm thinking, like there's so many people who get digital games and buy them early to preload them at the very least. I feel like 2.5 million is phenomenal, but it could have been more, it seems like. I feel like that's a day one, and I agree with you. I feel like we were seeing astronomical pre-sale numbers from games like Diablo and everything like that, and even though 2.5 could potentially be more, I'm in agreement with you. I feel like here in about three weeks, we will get another huge milestone, um, and it won't really matter because, you know, f- for a day one, nobody can argue with that. I mean, that's... that's yeah. Hu- yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm not taking anything away from it. 
It just seems like the the IP of Spider-Man and the fact that it's Sony first party. Yeah. I don't know. With all the pre-order hype and everything, too. two and a half million, though, in 2023 for a single-player-only game. And I think, you know, the strategy with a lot of these releases these days is post-launch marketing via Twitch, reviews, YouTube, stuff like that. And even a lot of the actual traditional marketing that I've seen, like, I wasn't seeing much in the month of October, and I'm seeing more now that the reviews are out. So I think this one's going to have a long tail regardless, but... uh, you're right. I, I see what you mean, Ben, but it's it's a big number. It's a lot of games. I can't remember what it was now, but there was there was something I was on a website or like a terminal or something. Oh, I know exactly what it was. I took my kid to a coin show last week. Yeah, I don't. I don't get <laughs> a coin show. My kid okay. to go to a coin show. So I took him to a coin show, and afterwards we went to Taco Bell because I'm a good dad, and. Uh, at the Taco Bell terminal, they actually have advertising like where you can order in the store. They actually have advertising on it. And on the screen inside of Taco Bell, there was an ad. I'm pretty sure this is what it was. There was an ad for Spider-Man 2 on PS5. I thought that was I was like, what? I didn't expect to see an ad for <laughs> a video game on the Taco Bell ordering screen. But advertising knows no limits so, nowadays, my friend. I guess so. Yeah. Um, Ed Cassie in chat says... I just don't like how they call it 2.5 million in one day. And then they say Ragnarok was five to 7 million in like a week. I want easier comparable timeframes. Um, yeah, I, I understand that. I think that that one day mark is important. And obviously the one week mark is important. Some, some games will put out like in the first weekend or something like that. Uh, so I think that is, I, I understand what you're saying, but I also understand that they're just trying to market it. And then Hrez says, what were the total sales for Spider-Man and Miles? I could be totally off on this, but just out of memory, I think at some point they combined them because there was the possibility to get Spider-Man remastered combined with Miles. So it was probably hard to separate them. I want to say that was like between 25 and 30 million. Definitely the best selling Sony first party game. Um, So I think it was it was up there. I would be surprised, but not shocked if Spider-Man 2 beats it. But then again, you've got Spidey and you've got Miles and you've got Venom and you've got a whole host of other characters that, of course, we won't talk about because they are spoilers <laughs> and we respect you more than the people who make the trailers for the game do. Yeah. Um, 2.58 mil is a lot, but I suspect people were waiting for reviews and not going with pre-orders blindly. Yeah, yeah. and I support that. And that's another sure. thing we need to take into consideration. I mean, v- superhero IP is certainly not what it used to be. And I'm not saying that Spider-Man has fallen necessarily. I'm saying just the overall narrative around superhero has fallen off in recent years. Not completely. It's still huge. Stuff like Marvel is still huge. Um, But it's certainly not as big as it used to be. And I think that's a really good point is that I think that some people are becoming more wary. Not always. I feel like we still do have a a large problem with pre-ordering before we see what is either broken or not broken about a game. But people are thinking about it now, I think, more than ever because, you know, you get burned enough and you remember. Yeah, I've never been a pre-order guy, but I'm certainly (laughs) not now. Um, in the in the time we live in where you have games come out and they tell you like with City oh, Skylines they told dude, us in advance that's so this disappointing game's gonna be broken. <laughs> so disappointing. we're still going to release it because that's the date we picked yeah but it's so going to be expectations broken. man it's so, yeah yeah all right let's move on number two 
a listing for Titanfall 3 has appeared on the Instant Gaming website, indicating a 2023 release date. The game is listed with Respawn Entertainment as the developer, Electronic Arts as the publisher, and a genre described as action, FPS, and war game. Notably, PC is the only platform listed, raising speculation that the game might initially launch on PC before coming to consoles. However, it is important to know it is important to remember that it is not an official confirmation and such listings have appeared prematurely in the past. Now, this is like one of those sites like, you know, Green Man Gaming or uh, Good Old Games or something like that. Well, not Good Old Games. That's a legit one. So is Green Man Gaming. But anyway, it's one of those sites where they just like list codes for things. And maybe they were just preemptively thinking it. I would hesitate to think that Electronic Arts would have told a third party uh, distributor hey, we've got this game coming. You should get a listing for it. But who knows what's in the back end? Well, we might find out in the next couple of days. Brandon, I know you were a Titanfall 2 yeah, fan. We were, I think we were absolutely. all Titanfall fans. But um, right, we've talked so many times about Titanfall 3. Are you, yeah. are you hoping for it? Do you want to see it? Do you think it's possible yeah. with Apex? I mean, I think it's right definitely now? possible. I think it's almost inevitable. Um, I think this all kind of uh, started, all the the large rumor mill started around that NVIDIA leak. Um, and at the time, it seemed pretty insubstantial. Um, but I don't know, man. It seems like, especially this year, every other month we're getting some sort of little trickling. And I know the public is really keen to latch on to anything that they're given i know gta dude. 6 announced dude, there's a video coming <laughs> today guys. gta 6 is coming today it's gonna be t- it's in october because that's when they the, announced another game yeah. so it's definitely dude, coming it, it probably watch it tomorrow happens. it's gonna it, be it announced happens with bloodborne <laughs> it happens with gta it happens with titanfall 3 it happens with all games that people love because they love these games and i don't blame them they're excited um I'm not going to get too excited until I see something official. Um, this sort of thing, much like the NVIDIA leak, could be completely baseless. Um, and although I want to believe, I really want to believe, um, like I said, I'm going to curb my expectations just slightly. Um, I don't think, based off of what this is saying, that it would make a whole lot of sense for it to come to PC first. I know some developers do that, but with the 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 legs and the manpower... Um, this studio has behind them. I think that they've kind of figured a lot of things out. I mean, they're the kings in the BR space. Um, not that Titanfall 3 would be exactly that, but what I'm saying is they have chops um, and they know how to adapt their game and, uh, you know, work on the fly. And so I, is it possible a PC port would come out before consoles? It could happen, but of all the things that you listed here, I really don't see that being plausible. So, yeah, I'll be excited when I see more. I will be waiting. I will be there day one. Um, they've pretty much proven to me that they can consistently make good games. Uh, please don't burn me. <laughs> please don't burn me. It happens every time. Yeah. I just I just get so used to developers uh, delivering quality, and then they don't. But um, hopefully, because it's been baking, hopefully we'll see some good. But um, I don't think it's going to be this year. I really don't. Some people, you know, oh, shadow drop, shadow yeah. drop. And I know they did that with Apex, but... That is th- sure. That is the vast, that vast minority of drops is shadow drops. So, yeah, Dave, uh, Titanfall three potential. We got pointed out in chat here that the Nvidia leak has Titanfall three. Um, that's been a little while ago, and who knows? Could have been that. Could have not been. And and to Brandon's point about PC only release at first. Um, 
I think a lot of these sites focus first on PC codes because people look for those on those sites for Steam and whatnot more than they do for console versions. But anyway, what are your thoughts on the Titanfall 3? Yeah, uh, I mean, I want this. I think everybody wants this. Titanfall 2, I don't think, got is one of those games that's remembered as not getting the respect that it deserved, and I wouldn't call it a cult classic but i mean it, it definitely is in that realm um this particular leak i don't just coming from the site it's coming from i don't really know if it's credible but i think what's more interesting is this idea that it may come as a shadow drop because it worked for apex and i understand apex is a different game but it's not that different and i think the prospect uh of releasing a game um that is very successful without any lead up marketing uh, is is something that would be very, very attractive to EA. So I think because they had success with this series, with this IP once, they may actually try it again. So uh, what was most interesting to me about this story was like Titanfall 3, in my mind anyway, could very much be a shadow drop. I love shadow drops. It's so cool when you just randomly get an announcement. They're like, oh, yeah, you can boot up your PlayStation. and The game is ready for you now. Um, I just think that's such a cool way to launch a game. I understand it's not always feasible, but again, it's worked for EA and Respawn in the past with this series. So why not? Um, as far as the PC only thing, I, I, I don't think there's any way that a, a game like Titanfall doesn't release on console uh, at launch. I think a game like this needs console. It needs console players. It's not going to be competitive focused. It might have some multiplayer, but you know, everybody loves the single player campaign of, of Titanfall. But uh, I think something like this needs to be multi-platform right from the start. But in any case, there's a lot of smoke around Titanfall 3. I think we're going to get something relatively soon. And personally, I really hope and think it could be a shadow drop. So fingers crossed on this one. Yeah. I think it'd be funny if they released Titanfall 3 and they were like, all right, here's the multiplayer and you click the multiplayer and it just boots up Apex. (laughs) Well, hey, it could be be like a launcher thing like Call of Duty is now. So it could very much just be a part of Apex. Yeah, that's true. Brandon, you don't have that launcher, do you? Do you? Is it updated? No. Brandon, have you updated your launcher? Have you pre-ordered the game yet? I refuse. Stay strong, my friends. Stay strong. We'll see. We'll see. Number three, Phil Spencer, head of Xbox, emphasized the importance of Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard King in relationship to mobile gaming. Spencer expressed that in order to remain relevant in the gaming industry on a global scale, it's essential to have a strong presence in mobile gaming. He acknowledged that mobile gaming is a massive platform with over 3 billion players, and reaching these players is crucial for Microsoft's strategy. However, he also clarified that Microsoft's strategy doesn't involve turning all of its franchises into mobile <laughs> games, thank God. Instead, it focuses on diverse distribution and business models, which includes selling games, subscription services like Game Pass, free-to-play games, and now mobile gaming with ABK's titles. Uh, notice there was no hardware mentioned there. The acquisition of ABK allows Microsoft to expand further into the mobile gaming market. Dave, I think we talked pretty extensively about the real treasure here with them doing the ABK deal was getting King because as much money as Call of Duty makes, Candy Crush is dominant like no other. Um, so I don't know. What do you think about Phil's comments about, you know, that they really need to heavily invest in, in mobile and where can yeah, that take I him? think I think uh, it just proved that he listens to the HP podcast every week because we, <laughs> we talked about this. We said, you know, that we talk about yeah. console games uh, mostly here on the podcast. So 
I actually burn each show to a CD and then send it directly to his office. I got one season of Cease Letter, but I ignored You're it. So. Sending VHS tapes, of <laughs> holding the recorder, eight tracks. Um, but yeah, I mean, you said it. I think the holy grail of this deal, long term, is is King because um, once this deal finally went through, uh, I think microsoft's install base just skyrocketed and it's not because they sold hundreds of thousands of consoles overnight it's because they just opened themselves to millions and millions of more uh potential customers because everybody has a cell phone and and you know king is is just so dominant in in the mobile game sort of market so uh yeah the, the king piece is just so big for this deal and honestly i think in in sort of the annals of this deal this is probably what everybody was was drooling over but um i really agree with the strategy of not necessarily trying to move microsoft's existing ip over um because i just think they're different gamers they're different audiences granted if marcus phoenix showed up in candy crush i'd download it right now that would just be cool because like how do you even work You're that in ideas. stop it <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it just doesn't make sense. I think the the mobile gamers are not going to be appealed by um, Master Chief and, and Marcus Phoenix or, or Tomb Raider or anything like that. And at the same time, I think console gamers like us, you know, if you start diluting the market and, and you know, whether it be mobile or console with, um, you know, these really cool IPs, then they just kind of lose their appeal. So I think that's the right move, kind of keeping the two somewhat separate and not suddenly, um, you know, doing what Ubisoft is doing very aggressively, which is moving Assassin's Creed and in the division and stuff like that into mobile. It just, for me, it, it doesn't make sense, but yeah, in any case, this is huge. I did kind of do a tiny bit of research when I read this. Um, and I, some of these numbers with King are just insane. Candy crush, uh, 233 million active users per month. Um, oh that is $5.1 billion in revenue from 2017 to 20 or 2017 oh. to 2021. So dude, yeah, Spider-Man Spider is a dead game. Now, now that I heard those yeah. numbers, Spider-Man is a dead game. <laughs> it's nuts. Absolutely yeah. nuts. That is no, go ahead. Brandon, I yeah. think go for it. I, I was just going to say, I think with the, the move towards like cloud gaming where Microsoft has really invested more, Obviously, having a company that specializes in mobile is going to help sure. them enhance that service and also hopefully create new uh, revenue streams for them. But we've already got between, you know, between Bethesda and um, Blizzard, we've got, you know, Diablo Immortal, which raking in cash. We've got uh, Fallout Shelter, which is still doing well. We've got the new Elder Scrolls. So, like, there are non-traditional mobile games that also aren't traditional gamer boy games that are coming that are kind of a mix, you know, fallout shelter. That's not something sure. that you'd sit and play on a console, but you're also probably not going to sure. play that if you're playing candy crush. So like, I wonder if this strategy is really going to pick up now that they've got some people who like mobile is their baby. They're folk. They know all the different versions of phones. They got to make games for, they know all the different hardware right. and software and everything. So, um, and then cloud gaming, I think we can't discount as no, well. Absolutely. For the mobile market. And I think that, Phil coming out and saying this, he's been really good. I, you know, once again, let me just say props to Phil Spencer for having some really interesting things to say publicly, even if it is just complete PR speak. It's refreshing to hear this from somebody at the top and to hear clear things. Um, even though I think this is mostly clear, I think that <laughs> we will. It says they're not going to turn all of their franchise. 
we know what's going to happen, boys. There's going to be a lot of things like Ubisoft. I know that factually, like, like they're going to get their money's worth for this. But I guess at least we can hold on to, as someone who isn't necessarily super keen on mobile gaming and just making all of the console experiences on the phone. If you're going to do a one-to-one, that's one thing. Um, but I think when you lessen an IP by diluting it, that's another. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, obviously, King is a massive part that I feel like kind of flies under the radar. But I do think they are going to be, you know, spreading their wings a bit in the mobile space. Even if it's not every IP, I do think we will slowly see a rollout of more Microsoft-centric mobile. Um, And I'm hoping it's good. I really want it to be good. I want it to be full-fledged experiences. But, um, you know, when the iPhone is now more powerful than the Switch, it's like... I guess it really does make you think. Um, It's hard when things like the App Store are just polluted with garbage, but, um, and I don't want to naysay mobile games, but good experiences can come out on mobile. Um, And we're actually, I guess, learning that every every year. Um, So, yeah, this is good, man. This is good. And, uh, yeah, King, man, this is some nuts numbers. Yeah. Yeah, Dave and I, I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, Brandon. Dave and I have talked in the past about our experiences with different mobile games. And granted, we're mostly glomming on to the, the bigger IP that's out there, you know, Monster Hunter, Marvel, Snap, all that kind of stuff. But like, I'm not opposed to downloading a mobile game. Right. If exactly. It's a good game. But I don't want to, I don't, I'm not right. playing it because it's mobile. I'm exactly. playing it because it's a decent game. And I have some so that's time the, the differentiating factor I'm talking about. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Dave, can you kick us off with uh, with number four here? Absolutely. Um, the Steam release of Diablo 4 has received mixed reviews from players with less than 60% of reviews being positive based on more than 380 reviews. <clears throat> While Diablo 4 initially enjoyed a positive reception, the addition of Season 1 updates and changes might have impacted player sentiments. As of the latest data, the game falls short of the 70% positive reviews needed for a mostly positive rating, sitting in the mixed category. This release followed the Steam launch of Overwatch 2, which received an overwhelmingly negative rating based on user reviews. However, it's worth noting that the Diablo 4 player count on Steam is around 2,374, potentially due to the game's availability elsewhere on PC since its June launch. Overwatch 2, on the other hand, reached a 24-hour peak of 31,457. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Can I tell you why that's rough, boys? Extra. Think about it. Overwatch 2. Now, I can't say too much. I can't say too much. And if you're in the Discord, you'll know why. Poot will get me. Poot will get you. Yeah. For the clear cash grab, for the most part, that Overwatch 2 is, to have an entirely new... It's not a new IP. A new launch, a new iteration of an IP have such low numbers comparatively to something that is, by all accounts, an unarguably very similar to the Overwatch 1 and 2 counterpart. That stings. That has to sting so bad, man, to have Overwatch 2. And now people will say, Brandon, they got rid of Overwatch 1. They, they, ha- they have so many numbers on Overwatch 2 because they got rid of Overwatch 1. And you might be right, but... To see these numbers, and I will agree with what you said, what you read there, Dave. A lot of people are probably playing it elsewhere, but 
we have to put some weight into these numbers, just a little bit. It kind of does give you a little picture into it. And for the reviews being overwhelmingly negative, I mean, what are the numbers saying here? You know? So, very... I don't know if... I don't know if either of you can speak to this. Maybe chat can while we're talking. Do you have to buy the game on Steam to review it? Can you return it and your review stay? Do you guys know? I think it it, does, it shows how many like hours where like you've played. So in order to to be able right. to return it, you have to have played two hours or less. So theoretically, right. you it'll show that like you haven't played very much of the game. So even if it if your review right. remains theoretically. You delegitimize by not playing the game enough. Your review. Yeah. I guess. I think that's true. I was just, I'm just curious. Like, everybody, everybody out there already knows right. what Diablo 4 exactly. is before it was on Steam. Is a negative rating on Diablo 4 on Steam going to hurt the game, the no. game's success? No, it's not. I don't think it is. And the reality is that all those people who left those reviews at least bought the game. Maybe they did return it, but then the reviews, like Dave said, are discounted. So, I, I've not really understood. I understand the concept and even maybe agree with the principle behind review bombing right. for the right reasons. Obviously, uh, if a game's bad, review bomb it all you want. But I've never really understood the idea of artificially downvoting yeah, a game. I guess I could say. So here's the problem, though. I would agree with that mostly, but I feel like this shows a very and some of it's unwarranted. I've seen things where you know. There's negative discourse that is mostly baseless, but I mean, this very cl- show this very clearly shows that there's like a fragmented <laughs> audience. Um, you know, we can't put all of our weight in reviews like nobody should put all their weight in any review ever. It, take it with a grain of salt. But um, yeah, right. Unless it's ours. But, you know, this definitely shows that people aren't happy. And I guess sometimes the loudest voices, you know, what do they say? The squeaky wheel gets the gets the oil, but you know, that shit's still squeaking. <laughs> Dave, are you squeaking? I, I am. I'm squeaking with anger. Is what I'm doing because I I just review discourse is so stupid, and it's review bombing. I think is kind of a product of this. Gamers are fucking dumb. Yeah. Like yeah. we're just idiots. <laughs> like. I don't know. Why, why can't we just be adults and like we have things like discourse now where you can like openly engage with developers and tell them how you feel about their game. And when it's a game like Diablo, again, I know I'm giving people way too much credit than their own, but theoretically, like a game like Diablo that you could be playing for like 10 years, like if there's something you don't like about it, there, there are ways you can have your voice heard. <laughs> and I just, I, I don't know. I just think like bombing the shit out of something on like Metacritic or Steam is just. Like people complain about the numbers that reviews are are given, and it's an arbitrary number. But then, like they turn around and and use review bombing to get people to not buy a game. It's like you're mad about people giving the wrong numbers in reviews, and then and then you just completely delegitimize it. So I was seeing like this. There was this article on this news aggregator site that I'm not going to name. Uh, and there was a bunch of people in the comments getting mad at this particular reviewer because they gave Spider-Man to a 7 out of 10 and they were upset because they brought the Metacritic score below 91. And I'm like, who fucking cares? Do you like the game? Like, why is this a problem? Why are you arguing on the internet about this? But 
I don't know. This is just one of those things where I'm losing faith in humanity because like people are review are, are ruining reviews for for everyone, and and this is part of it. So no, it was N4 N4G was the site. So yeah, Dave, it's harder to make a graphic that proves that you have the better plastic box if the if the score goes down by a point. I don't know if Do you, you knew remember that or though, not. Ben, like when we were reviewing <laughs> games and I actually like had a conversation with you once where I was like, do I need to give a, this game a number? Like I'd rather just write about it. And, and you agreed yeah. with what I was saying, but the, the sad truth is, is like, if you want your reviews to be legitimate, they need to go on the aggregator sites. And in order to get on the aggregator yep. sites, they need a number because that's what people want right. to fight over. So it's, I don't know. Yeah. If some of the bigger sites that are out there now are, allow like open critic and medic not metacritic as much but open critic allows sometimes for you to put a site or put a review up without a without a numbered score but they still convert it into a numbered score like they have a they still have a scale and they convert it ultimately and by the way i recently found out <laughs> sorry just noticed just, you know, i was dying you just saw my subtitle it's just a quote gamers are fucking dumb um, dave yeah so for a long time, I thought, and maybe they were, that Open Critic did not weight anything, but they actually do because the what's what's it called? Um, top critics, the top critic score you see, which is what the aggregate score actually is on Open Critic, is only comprised of uh, a certain percentage of the top most important websites or, or reviewers or whatever, whether they be YouTubers or, or websites. So they don't weight them, but they only include them in that top critic score, which is the number everybody sees. So that's why they're so often so close to the Metacritic scores, which do weight things because you're still only including Voices. the same. <laughs> yeah. You're not quite weighting them, but you're still only yeah. including the same people. Um, and, and they made that change at some point when we were still posting reviews and, and they were in the aggregators and I was like, this is dumb. And I forgot about that and only recently remembered it again. Um, Most because I was looking at the back end of Open Critic to, to look for one of our reviews that um, I just wanted to read again. So, yeah, the, the whole thing is dumb. I've never liked numbered reviews. And but but you're right. You, you have to play that game if you want to get the clicks. And the problem is that then people use your score to, to console war about it so that they can get clicks. And so it's just a, it's a vicious cycle. Uh, let's see. Ed in chat says, I can't get too mad at review bombing because if you bought the game, what other method do you have to communicate easily and visibly to a publisher or developer of dissatisfaction? And um, he's hundred percent right. I mean, you have other methods, but it, you know, it, there's a fine line between tweeting at the developer telling them that you didn't like their game yeah. and harassment. Right. And it really just depends on, who the person is on how they take that. So yeah, you've got to be able to do it, but I, I just can't imagine that somebody like Blizzard (laughs) uh, with Overwatch or Diablo gives a shit. What's their, what their critic rating is on steam. You know, it just doesn't matter because they're selling millions of Bobby's wiping his tears with money. Um, But no, I recently submitted like a ticket to uh, Lords of the Fallen's website. I I didn't tweet about it. I didn't write a bad review. I submitted yeah. a performance ticket and I said, hey, look, I'm seeing all kinds of coverage on all these other versions of the game getting support and needing work. What about the PS5 version? See, I feel like that that actually is a constructive way to go about it. And there are and there are other ways. Sure. I just feel like, yeah, like I said earlier, it's just uh, the dumbest are often the loudest. 
Yeah, I think that's <laughs> probably true, unfortunately. All right, let's move on to number five. Nintendo has indirectly confirmed that the successor to the Switch, often referred to as the Switch 2, will likely support backwards compatibility. Now, there's a lot of caveats here that, uh, that we'll talk about, but during an interview, Nintendo of America President Doug Bowser hinted at this possibility, mentioning the creation of the Nintendo account as a way to facilitate a smooth transition between platforms. While he didn't specify the features of the Switch 2, this suggests that Nintendo is actively working to minimize the disruption often associated with transitioning from one console generation to the next, specifically with Nintendo. Bowser didn't provide a uh, didn't provide details about the specific features of the Switch 2, but there have been previous discussions about its potential support for DLSS, and it's believed that the console may support 3.5 ray construction, although it may not be a feature complete compared to the PC version. It's expected that the console will use a custom feature set rather than the full DLSS feature set. Brandon, we've talked a lot about your hatred for Nintendo, and I know some of it's in jest and some of it's completely serious. We know that Nintendo is working, apparently, on a way to continue your account from one console to the next. But what we don't know for sure is, does that mean that the games that you already own will also be available on that account? Or is it just an account to keep your name and address in their system? And then secondly, will we be able to play Switch 1 games on the Switch 2? Uh, I know right. we don't have the answers for that. But no, that's kind of the uh, going to be the selling point for me. Honestly, um, my Switch library isn't massive, and I feel like it will be paramount for me to continue that library into the next generation. Um, I've expressed my dissatisfaction with the performance of the Switch previously, but I mean, a lot of the early things I'm seeing about the Switch making me believe and maybe it's just really really good hype maybe it's just really really good buzzwords but i'm really hoping we're getting a little bit more power um you know i mean what i think a little right. bit is the key word there and a little you're bit probably right ben i think i'm probably going to end up getting my hopes up and you know how these things go ben Sometimes I'll fold at the last minute and buy the game, but I don't know that I can fold and buy a console. I mean, that's kind of a, in a different realm altogether. So I would love to see the Switch succeed. I really would, in spite of everything I've ever said about Nintendo. They're a great company, and they put out a good product, and that is inarguable. Um, but these big boy PC uh, acronyms, if they are truly coming to the Switch, I think this is a welcome addition. And even if it's a slimmed down version, if they can make their games perform better and look better and kind of get themselves into the into the modern standard. Now, I don't need hyper realism. This isn't what Nintendo is known for, but I would love to see them elevate themselves in the next iteration of an incredibly, incredibly previous generation. I would love it. Um, I just hope that they do the right thing that they've never done before and make us be able to play our Switch 1 games on our Switch 2. I'm worried and I'm concerned, and if I had to bet on it, I'm not a betting man. I would bet we're not going to be able to do that. But I want to hope, man. I want to hope because I don't I don't want my Switch library, which is already small, to you know completely be decimated by the Switch 2. So... Dave, now you're the you're the digital guy on the show, but you buy most of your at least big party, you know, first party titles on Switch. You buy them physically, right? Yeah, because it's the only thing I can buy physical <laughs> games on. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and Super Mario Wonder is in the mail right now, and it is physical. So nice, yeah. 
Nice. So do you think, you know, do you think there's any prayer that we see any kind of backwards compatibility with the Switch 2? Because I understand people saying like, oh, you're never going to go back and play those PS3 games or whatever, which I understand it. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. Whereas <clears throat> Nintendo games are timeless. Like I can go back and play Super Mario Odyssey when I'm 75 years old and still have a great time. Um, do you think there's any hope that we could see physical or digital games go forward with the I next Switch? And should Nintendo we seems to have taken kind of a, I don't want to say shitty, but they, they have really uh, capitalized on their, on their back catalog of games. And I'm talking, going back to like the eighties and I, I'm looking at like the virtual consoles that you can get on, on the eShop with the, the Nintendo subscription, whatever it is. Um, so I, 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 I would think that if this is sort of a, a light upgrade, um, an upgrade isn't the right word, but you know, not so much like a full successor to the switch, like a brand new console, but like a, a step forward, I would think that the switch stuff has to be backwards compatible. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how they do this. And, you know, Nintendo always kind of does weird stuff with their consoles and, and we never know what we're going to get. So I'm really curious to see what this console is actually going to look like, how the functionality is going to work. Um, someone just mentioned Metroid Dread in the comments. Like, what is the next Metroid? How is that going to function? Is it going to be on both consoles or is it just going to be on the next Switch? But yeah, it's 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 going to be one of those things that's really interesting to see because Nintendo always kind of surprises. But the other thing I wanted to touch on from this story is I really hope that Nintendo, and I know they will, I really hope that Nintendo continues to focus on um, form and functionality over cutting-edge tech. Yes, I think we need a bit of a bump in performance because games like Tears of the Kingdom don't really run all that well, but at the end of the day, I think what they do is what sets them apart from you know, the other competitors. And it's the reason why I feel like I need to have a switch in addition to a PlayStation or an Xbox. Um, it's not one or the other kind of thing. Cause it's just such a nice compliment to the, the sort of AAA gaming that I do on my other consoles. So I really hope they come out with something that's really fun and easy to use. And I think what they've proven over the past 10, 20 years is that Mario and Zelda and Kirby and stuff like that, they don't need cutting edge technology. We, they don't need, you know, photorealistic graphics or 120 FPS and stuff like that. Cause they're just great with, you know, something that's a little bit less. Um, so I'm okay with them kind of taking a bit of a step forward. They don't need to compete with Sony and Microsoft with, uh, you know, the big boy tech consoles, just keep doing what you're doing. But in any case, I hope we get something soon because, uh, we've been talking about this for a long time and I really want to know what the switch to looks like and feels like. Not to, to jump ahead to the what we've been playing section, but um, I'm playing Spider-Man 2 and Mario Wonder right now. And it's exactly what you're saying, Dave, where like it's very easy to juggle a Mario game specifically on the Switch. Because like there's been a couple times where I'm like, well, I want to go to bed in about an hour. That's probably not really enough time to play to jump in and play Spider-Man right now because I really know I'm going to get sunk into that game. But hey, I can grab my Switch and play Mario Wonder for... 45 minutes and maybe beat four or five levels and have a blast. And I'm not going to feel like I have to keep going because there's nothing there. So like, it's the perfect companion, but yeah, it would be nice if the perfect companion was a little stronger, uh, I think. So yeah, we'll see. Um, for me, I, all my games with the exception of some indies um, and maybe a couple I got on sale, I have a pretty big switch library actually, but all of them are physical for the most part. And 
I would hate to to not be able to play them on the next console, but I think it's much more likely that the digital games will go forward as opposed to the physical games. And hey, I'm used to having to play for Nintendo, especially pull out the old console in order to play the game. And, you know, how are they going to sell me another subscription if I have access to my old games anyway? So we'll see. I was just um, laughing at Ed Cassidy's comment. Like, we can we just stick with Super Switch until we get an official title? Because that that's really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I think I thought we had talked about that before. Yeah, I get confused on what shows I edit and what they say and what we say, and it's a whole thing. So, Super Switch it is. All right, let's move forward, Dave. This one is specifically <laughs> and very targeted at you. Number six, despite a major update aimed at addressing technical issues and improving gameplay, Arcane's open-world vampire hunting FPS Redfall is still struggling to attract players on Steam. The game faced criticism upon its launch for its numerous bugs, performance problems, and design choices. Arcane had promised a 60fps patch for consoles after launch, which was included in recent updates, along with other improvements. Despite these changes, the game's player count on Steam has dwindled down to just 36 players, with a 24-hour peak of 42 players, and an all-time peak of 6,124. It's important to note that these numbers only reflect Steam, not Xbox consoles or PC Game Pass. While Redfall may be experiencing more players on Xbox, the game's fundamental design issues and competition from other popular titles may be affecting its overall reception. And it's terrible launch. With the recent update, Arcane might have addressed most of the technical issues, but its core gameplay and design still face criticism. It remains to be seen how the game will perform over time. And for those who don't know, if you're new or uh, you just don't remember, Dave uh, has entered into a legally binding contract with Brandon and I that if he does not achieve his goal of doing something I can't remember in Gran Turismo by the end of the year, he has to play Redfall next year. And Redfall... I have never seen Dave more. Ang- well, I've seen Dave more angry, but not sober. <laughs> um, I've never seen Dave more angry than right after Redfall came out. So, Dave, kick it off. Tell me what you think about. Are you gonna? Are you going to make Redfall's player count thirty-seven <laughs> players instead of thirty-six? Uh, yeah. I mean, at, at this rate, it looks like in January I'll have. I am. I am going to be contractually obligated to do that. Um, so. Yeah, this is this is really sad and it's following an unfortunate trend of like big like really revered studios being purchased by like bigger evil companies and then they're forced to put out something that they don't normally do, usually live service and completely like killing those studios. So I'm looking at like BioWare with Anthem and then uh Crystal Dynamics with like Avengers and it's just it, this sucks. It really does. And Arcane is such like a good studio. And I think they were cornered into doing something that they didn't want to do and really isn't in their style. And yeah. I think in order for this game to be saved, it needs, you know, that no man's sky cyberpunk kind of treatment. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to go the way of Anthem where, you know, maybe we'll get a couple other images on, on Twitter of like, this is our roadmap. And then it's just going to, go away um which is okay because i'd really like to see arcane um sent back to doing what they're best at which is you know single player stuff that's just focused on narrative and really cool level design and and that are just creatively 
engaging and uh i do think that microsoft is smart enough to let arcane go back and do what they do best and and maybe not waste too much time on 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 redfall so i don't think redfall is going to get to the point that no man's sky did i don't think it's that kind of game and i think arcane and microsoft should just kind of cut bait at this point i'm gonna play it i i I think i'm gonna have to play it and uh it is what it is let's let's just turn the page on redfall that's that's my stance on this whole thing just call a spade a spade call dave a redfall enjoyer brandon i also saw you pretty upset yeah. uh, when redfall was out because it kept resetting your progress um are you gonna dive back in now with this new update i know it's been that was a couple weeks right. ago we talked about the update but hey you could you could you and dave could make the player we count could, you could be there too ben I could not. You see this, Dave? You see this, Dave? He, my, he my computer is physically <laughs> incapable of installing the game again. Oh, it just man. It refuses. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, this is this is a sad story. We've said it since the game came out. Um, it's unfortunate. It's it's unfortunate to see that it's taken this long for um, any sort of sizable improvement, especially beings that they were radio silent up until this point. So I feel like. If there was enjoyers of this game, it would kind of sting even more to not have any peek behind the curtain. And then an update comes out, which by many accounts is a good thing for the game overall, but it doesn't really fix some fundamental um, and large issues that the game suffers from. So like the you game, know, yeah, the just game. just just the entirety of yeah. it. Um, but yeah, sad to see. I mean, we did have high hopes. I think a lot of people had high hopes. Um, I think uh, Microsoft probably had high hopes, but um, Arcane had to have known yeah. what was happening. And Dave's right. It is sad to see. Um, I guess not even for the sake of Redfall. It's it, it, it's sad for Arcane. It really is. So, yeah. Yeah, and like Dave said, they're they're phenomenal, and and I, we know that Microsoft had high hopes because we saw those leaked emails from Phil Spencer, or they weren't leaked; they were <laughs> in the court case, um, saying that they hope it's a huge success. We've heard tell that Arcane was trying to get the game canceled, and and Microsoft that's like a good wouldn't sign, cancel though. it, <laughs> uh, which is understandable, I suppose, with so much money invested. I said that's a good sign, right? What'd you say? Yeah, it's a really good sign when your devs want the game to be canceled. So, definitely um, a flop all around hopefully they learn their lesson and they let arcane do what arcane wants to do and what arcane's good at but we will see there's a you know yeah time will tell i suppose um in chat here to be fair redfall was greenlit while bethesda was doing fallout 76 and wolfenstein youngblood and dishonored 2 and evil within 2 just needing cash after a handful of disappointing sales numbers I think that's probably partially true. Those games all did have disappointing sales numbers at the beginning and they were not, you know, great successes. But I don't know how you how how a game like that. It's just bad management. Like even if they said you guys need to make a live service vampire game, Arcane was like, "All right, we're on it." And did no like from that point to the time it released, like did nobody else look at it? That's that's the thing that gets me. Is like it was I don't know. And they, and Brandon, you said one other thing. You said, I think we were all looking forward to it. From the moment I saw Redfall, I said, this is not going to be Damn, a good game. Dude. Now, it wasn't because I thought it was going to be a buggy mess like it was, but I didn't think it was going to be very good because it was Arcane making a game that was not Arcane. So you just, you know, can't teach an old dog new tricks or something like that. Actually, I'm not <laughs> sure the feelings on Arcane it, at all, but... <laughs> 
it probably has a lot a totally less discussion. to do with arcane than anyone will ever know so yeah yeah boys it's about that time of the show where we talk about what we've been playing and uh yeah, absolutely Brandon, let's start with so you. i want to start with something old I, I i didn't really tell you guys i was playing this but i think i might have mentioned that i was playing master chief collection did i mention that yeah so mm-hmm. you told was, me but i don't know if i was, was checking out master chief collection which by all accounts is mostly fixed i will say i unfortunately was having a little <laughs> bit of performance issues but Good for them. They did that by, quick. Good for by them. By most accounts, I would hope at this point we're pretty <laughs> solid. And it seems like that's the case because I've dabbled in the Master Chief Collection, but I've never like sunk my teeth in. Um, that being said, I want to I wanna say with, um, with a long time coming here, boys, I finally finished for the first time ever Halo Combat Evolved. For the very wow. first time ever, Let's I go. finished Halo Combat Evolved. Um, and I got to say, man. Nice. I see where it all started. I have a great appreciation for the series, having seen where it came from. Um, And I will say that playing Halo Combat Evolved in 2023 is definitely (laughs) a unique lens to look at it through. I feel like, um, yeah, I just have a lot of respect for it because at the time I can definitely see how innovative it was. Um, Having played it this year, um, I see a lot of its shortcomings. I mean, in some ways, um, they kind of made half of a game's levels, and then you play all of them front and back. Like, you play them forward and backward, which, you know, is an interesting thing. But gotta say, really, really enjoy the time I had with it. And on the back of that, on the back of that, boys, Halo 2. I started Halo 2, and oh my god. I've never beat Halo 2 either. I'll say off the top, I beat Reach, I beat Halo 4, I did not beat Infinite. Those are the games I've played. I started Halo I started Halo 2, and my god, what a fucking upgrade Halo 2 is. Right away, I'm interested, dude. Right a fucking way. And I love the, and I love the plot lines in the first one about the Flood. I mean, it's creepy, it's spooky, but the whole Arbiter storyline right at the beginning, I got up until when you first start to play as Arbiter, and man is it fucking cool um i love the fact that you can switch back and forth between the graphics this is nothing new to anybody it's mesmerizing every single time i do it but i gotta say an extra step above that is the cutscenes. like the cutscenes, the upgraded cutscenes are fucking good they look a little dated at this point they're a little blurry but they're fucking cool. I gotta say, Halo 2 is a banger right off the bat for me. I don't want to say I wasn't interested in the story of Halo Combat Evolved, but the level design was kind of weighing down my enjoyment of how interesting and spooky the game was. But Halo 2, super cool. Excited to keep playing it. Finally finished Halo Combat Evolved. And I'm honestly planning to keep going. Um, I want to I, I wanna go back through the whole series, and I hope to finish Infinite at some point. It's going to be one one of those like slow burn things for me um but uh it's so shocking to me with how big of an fps fan you are that you never and i've played bits and pieces like i started halo 2 and i remember some of the levels in halo 2 but i was a playstation household the only time i played xbox games until i had my 360 which is when i got reach was when I was at my buddy's houses. So I got pieces. I have a lot I have a lot of Halo 3's campaign. I know a lot of it. I played ODST and I and I remember some of Halo 2, but I never like 
played them. You know what I mean? So it's super fun, and I love that I'm playing it on my PC. Um, First-person shooters on PC are like bar none where it's at at this point for me. So um, that, and I've been playing Lords of the Fallen some more. Um, I'm still enjoying it quite a bit. Um, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what else to say about this game that I haven't already said. Um, it still has performance issues. Um, I think I said this last week, but I probably wouldn't recommend this to almost anybody. I would talk. I I would talk with the person who is interested in playing it, and I could probably tell them in like ten minutes of conversation whether I think they would like it or not. Like I I talked to Dustin about playing it, and I'm like, you should not play this game. You will not like this game. Um, unless you're willing to stick with it, and I don't think most people would be. Um, but that being said, I am having a good time nonetheless, um, and I have played a bit more of motorsport. I kind of cooled off on motorsport only because I did an entire series, um, and then my game crashed, and I lost it. And so I haven't booted up since because I had just spent... <laughs> X amount of time going through a series and yeah, it, it literally just completely erased it and that kind of pissed me off a little bit. So um, I'm going to get back to it, but yeah, I've been having a lot of fun playing Lords and uh, yeah, a new experience. Combat Evolved. Very cool, guys. Very cool. That's it. That's it. I'm very, yeah, that's I'm it. very glad to hear that. Not, not the part about motorsport or racing your game, which I hear is uh, disturbingly common that that's happening to numerous people, but I am happy to hear that you're finally getting around to, uh, that's good shit, man. some of my best, some of my best gaming memories, not only from the multiplayer, but some of my best gaming memories in single player were from halo back in the, the OG days. So it's good to hear Dave. What about you? What have you been playing this week? It looks like an interesting lineup here. Um, sorry. First of all, I'm really bothered by the order in which you played through the halo series. Brandon, did you Dude, like, did you watch up. like desolation of smog and then like two towers and then you watch empire strikes back and then Harry Potter. <laughs> I don't watch any of that shit. You just mentioned trash, <laughs> trash, all of it, trash. Um, <laughs> but I didn't want to, someone bitched to me at work about that too. They wanted me to play reach first and I get why, what is it? Is this the right word? Canonically, it would make sense to play reach. I understand that, but like for my little lizard brain, I feel like I want to start with the oldest shit first and I want to watch the progression because as cool as it is, like I had this thing last year. I started God of War from the beginning, played through. I want to, I think there is something even regardless. Yeah. Even Uncharted, even too. in spite of how the story goes, I feel like it is interesting to see the direct evolution of the series and the technology almost. So, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm just teasing you, but I'm I'm very envi- envious of what you're saying because I'm I'm fondly remembering back when Master Chief Collection came out and I replayed through the series and it yeah, was so dude. fun. It's it's fun, man. It's really, it's really so good. fun. And it was weird because like I did the graphics toggle thing and I was like, this is so cool. And I just I kept going back and forth throughout the entire game because it was just so cool to see one like the original and two how well it had aged. So yeah, I'm I'm. I'm really envious of, of what you're going through right now. It is funny because some of the new stuff in the toggle that they have, some of the newer ones, I'm like, well, why is this there? This wasn't in the original game. And then you toggle back to the original game and you're like, yeah, this right. like, this isn't yeah. capable of showing yeah. us that. So like, they definitely took a little bit of creative liberty, but I think that's okay because it's not like it right. took away from yeah. the game. Um, I'll go quick because I, I haven't played much interesting and I want to 
give Ben lots of time to talk about Spider-Man and, and Super Mario. Um, but I've just, I've still been playing through Assassin's Creed Mirage, uh, which I'm going to say right now on the show, I'm going to be platinuming this game. Hell yeah. um, so create some accountability there uh, and a little bit more of uh, Callisto Protocol. But the one interesting thing I have to say about um, Assassin's Creed Mirage is I played this game on my iPhone this week. Damn. Uh, I've never done remote play before, um, but I have a newborn baby and I was uh, I was nap trapped, as it's called. <laughs> Um, and I, I couldn't come down here to play my PlayStation. So I booted up remote play and I grabbed my controller and I was playing Assassin's Creed Mirage on my iPhone, which is crazy. Um, and, uh, it was awful. Oh no. <laughs> We're not doing that oh, again. No. Yeah. I, I thought it, you were going to say it was, it was good, uh, man. No. Like the quality was, I think what it was supposed to be, but I, I just kind of like, I only played for about 30 minutes because I'm like, I don't want, I'm really enjoying this game and I don't want to experience it like this because it's, it's just too good. And I just feel like it's, this isn't right. And then I got to thinking like, what game would be good or, or like acceptable or enjoyable on remote play on an iPhone. And I just, I couldn't think of anything. Now I understand remote play also works and arguably is supposed to work with things like Chromecast, uh, where it's on a, a TV that isn't necessarily connected to your PlayStation. But one of the selling features is also playing on your phone. And I just, I don't really want to do it again. Like it was, I don't know. It's just playing a big game like Assassin's Creed is, is, is not good for a phone, but Dave, uh, I tried it. So Dave, yeah. can I give you the only reasonable and good experience I've ever had on remote play in Mortal Kombat sure. 11 you could make your bots fight fights for you and grind levels that is the only thing because I wasn't actually playing that is the only if you're not actually playing a game that's the best way to use remote play is if you're not actually playing a game let me be clear about that that's okay. the only thing I found seriously the only thing so, so remote not play is what <laughs> yes, you're correct. Is. remote bot play got it remote grind so dave you're saying you're probably gonna get a playstation portal when it comes out <laughs> no i'm not like like mobile games are scaled in a certain way to be good on a, on a screen that's that's that big but it just i don't know for assassin's creed again i was impressed with what was happening in front of me but just i don't know not not a good way to play so it'd be like watching oppenheimer on uh on an airplane screen like it's just it's not That'd what it's scary. intended yeah yeah but. uh did you <laughs> did you um was it was it the latency was it just the performance was it what, what made it awful other than the screen uh, size no so the latency was fine it's it wasn't perfect uh the performance was fine not expecting you know big things um i think it was just the size um you know there's a big game there's a lot going on there's a lot you have to kind of look at um, and I just, I found myself squinting and I, I, you know, icons weren't as clear and I don't know, just not as good. And the sound is a big thing too. So just a lot of like kind of quality pieces that weren't there. So, yeah. Yeah. For me, I've been playing this week, pretty much three games. Well, definitely three games. I've been playing, uh, Sea of Thieves season 10. We'll start out with that. It is a dumpster <laughs> oh, no. fire. Um, the, the, the season was delayed for like nine months or it wasn't delayed nine months, but the season before it went on for nine months, which is the longest season they've ever had. And they had very few features, uh, that came out and they took away some things that longtime sweats in the game, 
uh, have come to know for the past like five and a half, six years and never, they never mess with it. I've not <laughs> been playing that long, but yes, things that I used to. Um, and it, and I'm not upset about the removal. It's so quick swap uh, animation canceling is, is one of those things. And, you know, you used to be able to, to move around and shoot people twice before, you know, before you could really, um, and have an advantage, I guess you could say. Really, it was the movement that was the advantage. They took that away, and the way they did it made it so clunky that even if you're not trying to quick swap, uh, it just totally throws everything off. So they, they've they made some fixes. They're readjusting some things. They The, the server performance was awful, absolutely terrible. Um, it feels better the last couple of days because they, they took out um, some players from each server so that there's less stress on the servers. But it's still just... The game's always been glitchy, and I love it in spite of it. But it's, I think it's probably in the worst place it's ever been. And some of the like Sea of Thieves partners that are out there that are usually like super positive on the game, Mr. Optimus, Mrs. Optimus, whatever, uh, always, you know, pumping the game up or even shouting out that it was in bad shape. So that's been disappointing, but I'm still having a great time with it. They introduced guilds. So I've been, you know, going around trying to level up guilds and everything like that. And it's, um, it's, it's still the same game. It's still fun. It's just, there's a lot of performance issues that weren't there before. And I think for people who've been playing the game, new players are still going to have a great time. They're not going to know anything, but people who've been playing the game for a long time and and know, um, know what's around are going to be bored right now. Now, granted those players are still playing the game just like me, but it's disappointing for sure. Horizon chat says that one stream you did, the servers were so bad. Uh, yes, and uh, they've been bad off stream too. So, um, but that's—I still love Sea of Thieves. I'm going to play it till the day they shut it down entirely. But it's in a rough, it's in a rough spot for sure. Uh, Spider-Man Two. Let's talk about that for a minute. Spider-Man Two is great. It's really hard to say much bad about it if you like the first game because it is essentially the first game just with more stuff. You get to play as both Spider-Man and or, sorry, as Peter Parker and as Miles Morales. They're both Spider-Man and they also obviously have different skill sets. You can swap between the two at any point, um, even no matter where they are in the city. There are a lot of uh, interesting characters in the game. There are many longtime villains from the, the comics that people know comics and, and you know, the, uh, the series, the animated series, especially they're there and it's good. The story so far is good. I'm probably about seven or eight hours into the game. Um, and I've been just doing like all sorts of side stuff as well as the main missions. So I'm having a great time with it. Uh, there's a lot of people on Twitter complaining about bugs. I've not experienced any bugs at all. Um, which is really good. I don't know if these people are uh, having just a totally different experience than me, or I know there are for sure some bad actors just trying to create bugs so that they can console war. Um, That's fine. Do what you want to do. But I've had a good experience either way. And I'm pretty tuned into bugginess and, you know, stuff like that. Performance wise, it's also great. Uh, the, the one conversation piece before the, you know, right as the game was coming out was that it was so woke and I'm not a person to use that kind of phrasing and talk about how it's woke and, or something like that. And generally I'm very much, not always, I'm very much a live your life, be who you are. I don't care. Um, it's not going to, you know, whatever, it's not going to affect me, but I will just say in a funny way, everyone in Spider-Man two 
is gay. Uh, every every NPC you you meet, they're gay, and it's, I'm just like, okay, I I get it. It's New York City, but not everybody is gay. Okay, so uh, other than that, though, it's it's. I mean, that, and that's fine too. They can do what they want. Um, the the game, the people who made the game, uh, definitely gets a representation in there. I understand it, but I'm like, is everyone? In New York City, not been actually there? gay, or is this just in Spider-Man Two? I've been there, and I don't remember everybody place, being gay, my friend. but it's certainly possible. <laughs> but again, like no, no hate. I don't have any issues or whatever. But I'm like, I did like five or, or five or six side quests in a row, and I'm like, every person I've done a side quest for has been gay, and I'm. It was just a little stunning to me. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if this is actually the right, the right uh, numbers here or not, but. Uh, but overall, Spider-Man 2, I mean, if you played either of the other Spider-Man games by Insomniac, either either Spider-Man 1 or Miles, um, it's been it's been great. Uh, someone in chat says, let's be honest, everyone in New York City is gay. I don't think that's true. And if it is, it's fine. But I just felt like there was an inordinate amount of um, of that. So, yeah, whatever. It's fine. It's fine. It doesn't diminish my enjoyment of the game whatsoever. It was just odd to me is all. I was like, th- literally five, five or six quest in a row was like go you know go save my boyfriend from this building and then it was the whole thing so <laughs> your boyfriend okay. uh i'm loving it though uh, oh okay, okay not my specific oh, gotcha, boyfriend gotcha, gotcha, the gotcha. character uh, is everyone in super mario wonder was, gay i have no idea um they haven't they haven't said anything about uh, about their sexuality <laughs> um uh, somebody else said, said they get the blatant pandering levels. I don't think anyone appreciates that, including the people being pandered to. I can't comment on that because I'm not. Um, I'm a I'm a straight white guy, but uh, definitely it's um, the funny thing. Like you, was, you guys have all seen, they 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 accidentally used a Cuban flag instead of a Puerto Rican flag. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I don't know how they did that when when it was right in the first game, and that's such a big part. I think that's so cool a uh, part of of the game that you know they are able to intertwine that, at least from my perspective, uh, that culture into the game and, and Miles's background. I think it's cool, but then they they put the wrong flag in, um, which is kind of a rough a rough thing. But um, Mario Wonder. It's been great. I'm loving this. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm basically picking it up uh, when it's when I don't have time to play uh, Spider-Man or when I'm just like in the living room on the couch while the kids are doing something, whatever, uh, playing some Mario Wonder. It's a 2D Mario game. And, that, and by that, I don't mean to take anything away from it because 2D Mario games are some of my favorite games of all time. It's fantastic. Uh, the inclusion of new powers, new power-ups, um, new... Uh, abilities, I guess you could say, is really fun. Um, the the Mario elephant or the elephant power up that everybody saw in the trailers is just as fun as it looked like it was going to be. Um, going around, you know, you can blast through things easier. You can you can squirt your enemies with water, that kind of thing. <laughs> no, Thank you, Brandon. Blast and squirt. Uh, you do what to them? Pause. What what Patreon tier is that? Yeah, it's a $45, $45 Patreon tier. It's, it's great. I like the fact that, you know, none of the levels take terribly, a terribly long time, uh, but they're still just challenging enough. And really like most of the levels you can kind of run through and be fine. But if you actually want to get the, you know, if you're a completionist of any sort, if you want to collect all the things to collect, you're gonna have to put a little more time into it, do a little more configuring and a little more figuring it out. 
of things. Um, the the mini games. There's lots of mini games in it that are really fun. There are you know races and uh, competitions of different sorts against NPCs uh, that are good. I have not experimented at all with the um, multiplayer, the the co-op. Um, so I don't know how that is. I've also only played as Mario. I was going to play the whole game as Mario and then play some play as somebody else. But I know that there are. I think Yoshi and stuff are are a little. They're somehow made to be easier. Um, I don't know the full depths of that because I didn't watch really any trailers because I, Mar- you said Mario, I'm going to buy it probably. So I'll let you guys know about that when it comes around. But so far, it's just, it's great. It's very bite-sized. The levels are quick. Uh, you can pretty much stop at any point. Um, there are shops, of course, that you can buy things at. There are areas to unlock. When you're in each area, you can kind of, you don't have to follow straight paths. You can walk around, which it's just in an overworld menu, but it's still cool that you're not just walking in a straight path to, to choose your next level. Uh, that's not original to this game, but it's it's a nice inclusion. And um, the story is a Mario story, but it's still it's still entertaining. You know, your <laughs> Bowser's bad and you're trying to stop him, you know? Sorry to spoil it for you, but that's the game. Uh, that's every Mario game that's ever been made. So it's it's wonderful. Not No pun intended. It's really a great game. And, you know, Nintendo could put out $60, probably even $70 Mario games a couple times a year. And I would probably still buy all of them and enjoy them if they were at this quality uh, for sure. So I'm having a blast and I don't see that stopping uh, anytime soon. Now, when are you guys going to play it? Brandon, I know your answer. Hopefully tomorrow. Dave's in, is in yeah. the mail. I'll so. wait till one yeah. of you is done with cool. it. Okay. All right. Sounds good. And that's it. That's it for the show. Uh, as usual, we'll stick around for a little bit, just a few minutes in the uh, in the chat here and, uh, and, and talk to those who are around. But if you're an audio listener, we appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate all the video viewers as well. Um, don't forget, you can come over and join us on Discord at handsomephantom.com slash Discord and be a part of the community. Talk to some other uh, some other people who are like-minded or maybe not like-minded, but they also like video games. Uh, we appreciate that. And you can support us on Patreon over at patreon.com slash handsomephantom. Special shout out to the Iron Lords podcast. I think specifically Addict. I'm not sure because it didn't give me an alert who was streaming, but somebody in chat said that. Um, so go check them out over at the Iron Lords podcast on YouTube. They do lots of great stuff, good reviews, uh, live podcasts, all that kind of stuff as well. And uh, I think that's it. Thanks. And we'll see you next week. The HP podcast is made possible by our patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. The following patrons are at the $5 level or above. Toby Ryland, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Jared, Poot, Boots, Passive Pixels Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, Htrons, Nuke Dukem, Derek O, Rainick, Christian Snow, Grabalicious, Benji Bop, and Johnny Waffles.